Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Podcasting. Podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Prime Podcast. Independent, unfiltered, and uncensored. Beginning in three, two, one. Lucia, thank you for joining me. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks Good, for having thank me. You. No problem. Now, so Lucia, uh, your business nutrition is medicine. You're a nutritionist and chemical biomed engineer. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Yeah. So uh, my background is chemical and biomedical engineering, uh, which I studied about 10 odd years ago and then uh, worked in that for quite a lot of years. And I still do, actually. And then I um, got more into the health space uh, probably seven years ago, um, did a lot of um, you know, uh, I, I competed in bodybuilding for some years. And so that got me, got me really heavily into fitness and health and diets and different types of diets. And then I got into the nutrition space more specifically once I had kids and um, studied nutrition um, at university again. And then I uh, happened to come across a seminar here in Brisbane um, by the Nutrition Academy that had a micro, uh, what she called, a geneticist, like a, like a molecular geneticist by the name of Dr. Margie Smith. She was, um, she's a head of smart DNA and, uh, and the stuff they were doing at the time was just really um, you know, forward thinking and really, really just taking over the scene, uh, showing a lot of insights into health. So I contacted them and I said, how, how can I get involved? How can I learn more? And I did a microbiome course uh, as well with the, um, through the academy. And then I, they said to me, well, we'll look at your credentials, had a look and um, they said, yeah, you can definitely become a practitioner uh, through smart DNA. And so after that, I started just looking into um, originally DNA testing, and then I got into the microbiome space because I felt that that was really um, cutting edge stuff. It was different. It was really getting really good insights into gut health and, and into health in general. Um, Smart DNA also tailors reports. So they do a general microbiome report. They do a um, IBS and they do an autism spectrum report as well just to show insights into that so I just found it fascinating and and then um, really started to market that and, and help people um, of all ages so I've helped um, mums with with young kids and babies and and all the way to older people um, that have like um, IBS and, and thyroid type issues as well and, and really um, give them insights into what's going on with their health so yeah now I've been for the last few years I've been interested in, in microbiome and just the crucial role it seems to play uh, in the human body and one thing i've noticed that it, there's a strong connection between your gut bacteria and your brain now um, i know of stories of people who have been diagnosed with uh, things like adhd and particularly in children uh, and even um, you know kids that have been diagnosed on, on the autism spectrum and a, a change of their diet has completely I wouldn't say eliminated in, completely, but has reduced, uh, you know, behaviors associated with those conditions. So could you go into a little bit more detail about the connection between the gut bacteria uh, and the brain? Yep. So it's a very well-established sort of field of science now is the gut-brain axis. And basically what happens is that through the vagus nerve, uh, there's neurotransmitters that travel up and down and they communicate between brain and the gut. And um, when that's out of balance, that's when you see uh, mood disorders and behavioral issues as well. And it also has physical symptoms as well. And it's because the gut makes key neurotransmitters. So they, it makes serotonin, it makes GABA and it makes dopamine. 
And the ser serotonin, for example, is, is responsible for, for, for happiness. So it's linked to, to the body clock and it's linked to anxiety when its levels are low. And it is made in the gut and utilized by the brain. And then GABA is responsible for calming and moderates anxiety in the brain and gut and the GABA receptors in the brain and the gut. Um, and so low levels increase the risk of anxiety. And then dopamine. So dopamine is that motivator um, neurotransmitter. So it's responsible for pleasure and memory and mood and sleep. And it's also produced in the gut. So low levels also increase mood disorders. And so with children, what happens is because um, the development of the infant gut happens from birth, it can be disrupted from birth because the mother's gut is what the baby's gut will start with as a starting point. And it's to do with mode of delivery. So whether through a C-section delivery or through vaginal delivery, it does play a role in what's, I guess, seated in the gut from the, from the get-go. And then if, um, if there's issues with breastfeeding and, and different foods introduced at six months, then that also changes what the gut bacteria becomes because what should be colonized at the beginning is in the gut, in the babies, is bifidobacteria because that helps break down sugars found in mother's milk. And also because bifidobacteria is responsible for so many key, um, key vitamins in the gut and also for immune stimulation and modulation. So because of all these health benefits, when that's imbalanced in, in and you have too many, I guess, opportunistic or bad bacteria, then that's when suddenly you're just not colonizing the gut as you should. And then as time develops, that's when you get those imbalances because suddenly the gut can't make the neurotransmitters and it can't make the vitamins it needs to make to have a healthy, a healthy sort of um, brain and, and gut balance. So that's what happens in that space. Yeah, because I found that the connection between uh, conditions like depression, anxiety, and you actually feel it. Like we all know when you get anxious, you feel it in your stomach. Like you feel the little yeah. butterflies and you, you can feel it. So, but I said, what's coming out now is, you know, for example, I'll use this example. So if you were to go to the GP and say, hey, listen, I've been feeling down for a period of time. I just, I'm not happy. I'm sleeping too much or whatever the case may be, or you have an anxiety disorder, whether it be social or just a generalized anxiety disorder, they're very quick to prescribe you something, something like an antidepressant, like an SSRI, which is the uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitor, uh, things of that nature. When the more and more I'm learning, it seems like a lot of these conditions may stem from the health of your gut. So if you, if you eat junk food and you know all the shit that we tend to consume, that can play a role in, in conditions like depression and anxiety. So I find that very interesting. And I think maybe, you know, people need to do a bit more research into that. So before they, because look, I'll be honest, I've been on antidepressants before on the recommendation of my GP when I had a, a bad few months. Um, and when I tried to come off those things, it's, it's, it's hell, it's terrible. Like you, you sort of end up where you were prior, but worse. Yeah, um, anxiety, yeah. sweats, you can't sleep, you get this bizarre, which it's hard to explain, but it's like a zapping in your brain uh, when you discontinue uh, the use of, of not all of them, but certain uh, antidepressants. And I wish I knew now what I knew then because I, I, I probably would have taken that, that route and thought, okay, well, let me work on my diet a little bit. Because at the time I wasn't eating, I was working late, eating, yeah. getting Maccas yeah. at 3 a.m. on the way home, and it was <laughs> terrible, ter absolutely yeah. terrible. So, if I would have known then what I know now, I probably would have focused on that first, my diet. I wasn't even drinking water at the time, like minimal water, just soft drink and energy drinks and coffee. It was really bad. So, wow, wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can, and I can see how that can happen because, like, if I was to tell you, Chris, if if you took a specific probiotic, so for example, there's one um, that I know of that's called Ultraflora Neurosupport, and that's got two specific bacteria. It's got Lactobacillus parasite, parasitae, can't pronounce that properly, and Lactobacillus planetarum. So if I told you these probiotics can elicit changes in your neurotransmitters such as tryptophan, serotonin, and dopamine to balance your healthy stress response and mood, then you'd probably take that and try that, right? If you knew. Definitely. But Definitely. I, think that's, I think that's the biggest problem is that people don't know. And they also don't know what, what the brain and the gut does. And they don't know what different foods do as well, because it's true. Like you go into a spiral, I think, where the worse you eat, the worse you feel, and then you just can't get out of it. And then you're like, you kind of think, oh, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to keep doing this. And it's just so hard to get out of those bad habits because they're just a habit. And then before you know it, you're in this really bad state and you need, you need a quick fix now. Because another problem is, is that, you know, healing properly takes time. So if you were, you know, if I was to say, well, you need to go and buy all the healthy food, you need to stop with the macros, you need to go and get proper sleep, start drinking water. It's all these different steps to get there. And sometimes the changes aren't immediate. So they can take a while for the body to naturally modulate itself get the neurotransmitters going up and down properly, modulate a healthy stress response, you know, because you go into a very stressed state as well is another problem with anxiety. You know, all these sorts of things, I think that it's just a matter of education. And, and that's why I love doing the microbiome test because if I could do, say, your test and say, this is your gut, Chris, this is specifically what your gut's doing and you're missing very specific bacteria that's responsible for producing B vitamins and um, having a healthy stress response. Like, you know, if, if you knew that specifically about you, so you could go tailor your diet and go tailor specific probiotics. And I think they would go a long way for most people. So yeah, yeah. some insights there. No, I agree. Now, so you mentioned tryptophan. I hope I said that right, tryptophan. So that, that's, a, that's an amino acid and it's responsible. What's a, a precursor, I guess, of, I know yeah. serotonin. I think there's a few more. I, know, I think serotonin, melatonin, is that melatonin is for sleep so yeah so yeah. there's yeah so all of that so basically from the food you eat you you know and specifically proteins you make amino acids and then those amino acids are basically the building blocks to then uh, for the gut to then make the right um, neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine so that's how it, so that's sort of the, the process is, is through your food then it gets converted in the gut and then then all those those the right chemicals and things are made so I, I can't imagine tryptophan being in cakes and burgers and pizza and <laughs> no, that's right. No. That's exactly right. No, it's not. It's all in. It's all in. In uh, you know, real food. You know, and whole food. And um, and that's where um, I, I like I like about the microbiome reporting as well is that it'll tell you, okay, you're low in this specific bacteria, and you need to go and eat all, all this specific food. And it'll go through that first before, um, you know, for example, um, if you uh, need to produce more butyrate to have a healthy um, to reduce inflammation, for example, then you need to eat more resistant starch, such as, such as buckwheat, quinoa, oats, and lentils, you know, things like that. Like, you know, those sorts of things that people need to know, okay, what, what do I need to specifically go and eat? Because what am I actually deficient in, in, in my body that isn't working properly? Yeah. And look, our bodies tell us that, Hey, listen, I don't like what you're putting in me. Stop. Now, a good example of that is heartburn. So when I used to get heartburn constantly, even now, if I have something like a pie or something, a pastry, I get bad heartburn, bad. Now, I went through a period of time where I'd eat that and I'd just go, oh, well, I'll just have a, what are they called? 
quickies, you know, the little quickies to oh, stop yeah, the yeah. heartburn. I just do that. So I wasn't fixing the problem or, or taking it. it. It's a warning. Like your body's telling you that it doesn't like it. So instead of me yeah, stopping yeah. that, I was continuing it because I could easily treat it with the quickies or, you know, something, an antiacid. So our body does tell us that, you know, what we're putting inside of it's wrong um, and it doesn't like it. But unfortunately, a lot of people, as you said, it's a process to get these things right. And some people aren't willing to, you know, take the time required to fix it or um, it's just very convenient to continue eating and living the way they are and just taking this or taking that to sort of calm those uh, things like heartburn, reflux, et cetera, down. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. amazing what yeah, you're learning. I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also because um, people don't realize that those are symptoms that aren't normal. Like they think, oh, no, I just get I just get heartburn. That's fine. Oh, I just get um, bloating. That's fine. Or, oh, yeah, I sometimes get abdominal pain. That's that's fine. You know, they don't realize probably that they're all signs that something isn't isn't happening properly or working properly in the in the gut and that they need to do something. Because what happens is if you do keep taking the heartburn medication, then after some time, uh, those symptoms get worse other symptoms flare up and it just it just starts to become a big compounding effect to the point where you end up with proper illness or, or proper disease state so they're they're like the first symptoms before before the proper disease state so they're definitely the, the warning signs by the body and and taking um like a heartburn just liquid or whatever it is um all that does is just block the sensation but it doesn't mean that the problems have gone away in in your gut and in your body no and i think that's it gets sort of normalized by pharmaceutical companies and all these other companies that make things like quickies and Molantra and all these other things where they're like, Hey, if you've got this problem, get this, you know, get this, to your local mm, exactly. chemist or whatever. And it, there's not enough education. Well, the educate it's there, the information's out there, but you have to go searching for it. Whereas. Yes, exactly. And it can be such a journey. Like I, I totally get that. Like for me, it's been a journey too. Like I think a big reason why I got into all this is because I had so many gut issues and I had so many um, problems with, with food and I just didn't know what to do anymore and I was over it so it was a journey of many steps for me as well to change my diet cut out the inflammatory foods take the right supplements um, and, and go all natural and 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 naturally heal so that my body could just function properly on its own you know it, it, it takes time it can take um it can take years to figure it out if you don't know right that's right but the, I think the good thing is that you can reverse like if you've got a, a gut full of of I guess uh, bad bacteria you can reverse that by changing your diet now as you said it's not going to happen overnight but you can reverse even if you're you know sort of been living the wrong way in your 30s 40s even maybe your 50s you can still make changes and it will it can reverse i don't know maybe you could elaborate more on that but to my understanding you can reverse that from the years of a bad diet and and so is that so if you were to for example as i said if you live your you know majority of your life eating the wrong things and not taking care of your overall health and your diet so you can reverse the effects of that in your gut if you make the changes yeah you can yeah definitely so it depends what it is i mean so don't when you live a lifestyle where you've been eating the wrong foods for a long time and you've been taking a lot of medication there are certain bacterial species that just never come back again even though they're highly beneficial they can die off to the point where they, they can't regrow. But there's other bacteria that can, that probably have always been in your gut at low levels, and then you can regrow them and then get rid of all the bad bacteria that have, that's causing all the, you know, toxin release in your gut and all the pain and stuff. And, and you can basically kill them off through a good diet and a good, good, you know, a good strategy and, and, and heal. So you definitely, definitely can do that. 
Yeah, that's something because that's that's something promising. You know, a lot of people, not just in this case, but many other aspects. Same with smoking. People think if they smoke for thirty years, oh, what's the point of me quitting? The damage is done. And it's similar to this mm. that it's not too late if you do the right things and you make a commitment to yourself that you're going to change your lifestyle. Things can reverse. It's not all doom and gloom, and you can reverse. And I think that's very important uh, for people yeah. to understand. Um, because it is too easy just to go along with it, keep taking medications prescribed by your doctors and doing what to mask symptoms. But if you can reverse that and not have to take these things, because every medication you take, I don't care what it is, even Panadol, does have side effects. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's sometimes it's it's more damaging than you know. Short term is not so bad, but if you take them over a number of years, it can be it can cause irreversible damage to your body, to your organs. Yeah. Yeah. Certain medications and. That's something that I've really learned over the last few years. Look, I'm only 28. So I think so everyone in their sort of late teens, early 20s is a bit reckless and you, you sort of feel a bit invincible. <laughs> yes. And yep. as like now, if I was to have, for example, a, you know, I could eat whatever I wanted to 10 years ago, but if I have a bowl of pumpkin soup, I don't know what's in the pumpkin soup, whether it's cream, I don't know what is what, what it is. But if I have a bowl of pumpkin soup within five, 10 minutes, I'm on the toilet, gone. Is that now? Like that happens now? Yeah. Now I don't know what it is. It's it's, yeah. Something. It's it's, yeah. So that's a, that's a good, that's a good point you make because sometimes it happens with people where they, they go, but I'm eating all the healthy food and I feel worse. So therefore it's not good for me. And that's not really the case. What happens is, is that some, when you eat too much processed food or say, it's okay, we'll just say macros. They say, say through all your teen years and early twenties, you just were reckless. So you had lots of, um, lots of alcohol, lots of macros, um, weren't sleeping enough and like that, not drinking enough water, then your gut is very imbalanced. So it's all over the place at that point. So the moment you say, no, I'm over it, I'm going to start eating the healthy food and you go, tomorrow I'm going to have a salad. And then you eat the salad and you feel worse. Well, what's happened is, is that your gut isn't, isn't ready and it's not built yet at the moment at that time to digest and break down plant fibers anymore. So you've got probably too much bad bacteria at that point and not enough good bacteria responsible for breaking down those foods at that point because you've just basically killed them off um, to the point where they're not really there anymore. Because the more, the more alcohol or, or bad foods that you have or, or antibiotics and medications, the more uh, opportunistic bacteria grow. And then there's not enough good bacteria to digest the real, the real healthy food that that need that it needs to be in in the right quantities of to digest. So that's what happens, and and you can develop food intolerances to healthy food just because your gut bugs are so imbalanced. So you need to start really slow and really do things to um, heal your gut and uh, I guess um, soothe that inflammation and and help the mucous membranes to to have the right bacteria again. And that can take um, specific supplements, like for example, um, there's some studies that have shown that um, people who have um, licorice as a supplement can heal damaged gut mucosa because then they increase local concentrations of other um, prostaglandins and that promotes more, uh, more cells to grow in the stomach and start to heal and regenerate. And that way it starts to kind of um, strengthen that so you can start to digest food again. So does that make sense? So that, that's what happens. And that's happened to me too. Um, after I had my second child, I suddenly couldn't, and I still can't digest broccoli or cabbage. I just, I just throw up. Like within hours, I'm throwing up, and I feel really oh, sick. Wow. Um, and it's because I had an emergency cesarean with my second child, and I'm pretty certain they gave me IV antibiotics, and so that's killed good bacteria. And it literally took me 
12 months to get my gut back to a point where I could eat without being super nauseous and throwing up or being really constipated. And it took me a while because, and I, had, I was in a really good place with my gut before that, but just that course of antibiotics and probably all the drugs from the um, cesarean as well just really put my whole body in an imbalanced state. And so I had to have uh, go through several courses of different probiotics, different prebiotics, really simplify my diet again and, and basically start again and, and rebuild. So, so now I'm okay. I'm doing a lot better. Um, but it, it does, it takes, it takes time. It really does. So it's not that easy sometimes to, to rebuild. No. And you mentioned the uh, <laughs> antibiotics. And that's something I want to briefly touch on because from when I was a child, my father was against antibiotics. He's unless you really need them, don't you know, stop. He'd say to my mother, you know, stop giving him antibiotics every time he gets a sniffle. And, and now I understand why. And I, I have family members and friends who take their kids, like the minute their kid has a, has a runny nose, straight to the doctors, they come back home with a course of antibiotics. And that happens probably, I'm not exaggerating. I know people that have their kids on antibiotics three or four times a year. And uh, so we, I think, we're starting to understand, look, if you need antibiotics, obviously they're, they're beneficial if you need them for something, but a lot of people um, take them when it's not really necessary. Like your body can probably fight it off itself. So explain a little bit more about what antibiotics does to your gut bacteria. Yeah, that's a good one there. Cause it is a very, it is very commonplace in childhood these days to have a lot of antibiotics because kids pick up you know, they pick up viruses, colds, all sorts of things. And, and even when I was growing up, um, it was very commonplace to have a lot of antibiotics all the time. And um, what happens, because it depends what age, see, and that's another thing I want to make a point of, uh, you really want to avoid antibiotics before age three. Really, really important, because in the first three years of life, that's when the gut is building to what it'll be as an adult. So by the time you're three years old, you basically have what, what is your adult gut microbiome by then and diversity so the moment you because it's still building in those first three years the moment you have antibiotics it basically kills everything off and your gut bugs go back to zero and they have to rebuild from the beginning again and catch up and then diversify again so every time you have antibiotics it just kills them and kills them and kills them and kills them several several times over and it's not as bad when you're an adult because you have by then you should have a properly formed microbiome diversity so that if you do have antibiotics it's not as it's not as full on the impact, but it still, it still does kill off a lot of good bacteria. And if you don't do the right things and really work on your gut after, you just never get those good bacteria back again, or they stay in low amounts. And then that's when you find that you're getting the reoccurring infections and getting the reoccurring illnesses because your immunity has really been depressed and it hasn't built up again to a point where it can actually protect you from things. Yeah, you see, well, I say that a lot in people that are on antibiotics quite regularly and they're always sick. Yeah. Every time I call them, they got a sniffle or they got, you know, they're just under the weather. Uh, whereas me, I, you know, I've, I've had, I think, a flu once in my life. And I remember it was back in 2017, we had a really bad flu season. I was working at uh, a hospital then. And I remember we had to get tested for it. Now, I didn't even know I had it, to be honest, but that was apparently it was quite dangerous. I didn't know I had it. Um, I had the flu. Um, didn't do anything. I've, 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 never, I've never been bedridden from a virus in my life. And mm. Whereas other people my age get sick regularly. And um, I think that comes down to the fact that, you know, when I was growing up and I, I was never really on um, antibiotics, I never really had them. And I do try my best to make sure that I have the right supplementation. And I just to make sure a lot of garlic in my diet, a lot of vitamin C, 
uh, things like yeah, that that good. helps your immune system. And <clears throat> I guess I'm very lucky in that sense that I really don't get sick. Um, That's and, probably why, because you, you've stayed away from the antibiotics and you've um, also helped your microbiome by having things like um, garlic. Garlic and onions are actually really, really good for your gut um, to promote the good bacteria, but also they have such a, a sort of natural um, uh, effect to kill all the bad bugs. They have, they're, they're like a natural antibiotic, so they're really, really protective. So that makes a huge difference, actually, because it's true what you say. You can go through rounds and rounds. Like Once you start with antibiotics and go down that route, I feel like it's really hard to go back because uh, it's a lot of work to build your, your body back up afterwards. And, and, then it, and then once you do get sick again, it's, it's easy to go back to just the doctor and go to the antibiotic route again, rather than go, no, no, I'm going to deal with this differently this time. And I'm, I'm like you, I deal with everything naturally as much as possible. So I, I go, I go, you know, I have my herbs, I have my vitamins, I have my food, I'll do juice cleanses, I'll do fasting. And I've been really lucky. Um, I, I rarely get sick at the moment um, or I get over it really, really fast um, because I've just really committed to that at the moment, especially because um, I have young kids and so they pick up everything. And so um, I don't want to go down that route of constantly, constantly needing antibiotics because my kids have picked up something again and again and again. So I treat them naturally as well and as much as possible. Um, and thankfully, my youngest has never had antibiotics and she's two. And my eldest hasn't had antibiotics for four and a half years now. So, it, it, you know, it, it does work just keeping the body healthy as much as possible. Yeah, it does. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's important to note that if you do, well, there's obviously people and, and cases where you do require antibiotics. Um, so it's important not to say no across the board, obviously get advice from, yeah. from you know, doctor or whoever you're dealing with. But as a general rule, unless they're really required and you're, you know, you're struggling to fight it off yourself, it's probably a good idea to try and hold off for as long as possible until you obviously you really do need them and just give your body a chance to overcome it because Often it does. Well, most, more than often, it will over overcome any illness that you have. It may take a little bit longer, um, but then the next time you come into contact with a virus or a bug, it's just you're less likely to get infected by it and to get sick. So that's something that's right. I've, that's I've right. definitely learned um, over the years. Now, um, I wanted one more question about that was the appendix. So a lot of people consider the appendix to be a useless organ. Now. I don't know how true this is, because I'm hoping you can elaborate on this. So, your so I've been told and I've heard that your appendix actually holds bacteria, gut bacteria. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's what I've read too. Um, I've read that the appendix does have a purpose, and that it did hold. Well, for those who still have their appendix, it did hold like a concentrated amount of bacteria in it. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm still looking into that space because I had my appendix out really young. I was about eight years old when I had uh, appendicitis and had to have it taken out. Um, but, but the more I've read about it since, I've read the same thing too. And, I, and that's something I, I need to delve in more myself personally. I've delved into things like the liver, um, gallbladder, all these sorts of um, uh, tonsils. All, I've delved into all that, but the appendix is one that I, yeah, I, I've, I feel, I've read that there is more functionality to it and that if, it doesn't need to be taken out necessarily. But it does suddenly attack though, as, as in like people suddenly get an attack and they need to have it out though. So that's, that's interesting. And it happens um, at any time of, of life too. So I, yeah. I've read the same it thing as to be you quite as well. common. Yeah. It seems to be quite common. Like I know a few years ago, I was in hospital. I had extremely bad stomach pains for a few days and I went in there and they'd done all the tests and looked at my appendix. And I remember she came back, the doctor said, Oh, listen, there's nothing wrong with your appendix. It looks fine, but uh, they're happy to take it out just in case. I remember that's what she said to me. And I remember thinking, well, hold on. If there's nothing wrong with it, why would you want to take it out for? 
And you know, oh yeah, just take it out. Don't worry, it doesn't do anything. It serves no purpose. It's um, that's sort of the general talk around it. And as I said, I have done a little bit of research into it and, and listened to a few podcasts actually where they're speaking about it. And it does actually seem to have a purpose uh, in in mm. that sense of of bacteria. It's sort of like a feed. From my from what I've read, that I could be wrong. I need to look more into it, like like yourself. But it sort of feeds or replenishes, um the gut bacteria that's my understanding of what i've heard so it'd be interesting to yes, learn yes. more i think it's i think it's been new research because um it's only in the last probably maybe even 10 years or less that the research has suggested that the organ is a safe haven for good bacteria to hang out in the gut that's what i've i've, I've read um and i think that it probably is true um this i mean everything in the body has a purpose right so i i'm always I'm always of the opinion that you should not take things out if you really don't need to. So um, in your case here, you were told to take it out just in case, but I think there is a strong case for the role of the appendix uh, that, that it stores good bacteria um, and is, is there undisturbed until it's needed. So that's, that's actually new research that has come out that I've read as well. So I think it's worth looking into more and, and delving into that space more. Um, same, same, even same with um, tonsils. You know, uh, that's new research too, that's suggesting that the tonsils actually play a huge role in immunity and that um, if, if you can keep them, keep them, you know. So same as gallbladder, you know, all these different organs do serve a purpose, I think. Yeah, they do. And I think they all work together in their own way. Um, and you know, again, it's very similar with tonsils. I know people that get their tonsils taken out and they, they seem to be prone to sick, like getting sick. Like from I have a family member who had his tonsils out quite young and he's he's always sick and he, I think he's um his daughter's the same their tonsils out and they're always sick and I remember uh, a doctor telling me a while ago that they do play a role um exactly what the role of what I can't remember what he said but he said it did play a role somewhere in the immune system and maybe preventing I don't know again you'd know a lot more about that than I would but yeah so so what what I've what I've learned is that um so it's it's basically the tonsils catch a lot of um bad bugs there first and that's why they get inflamed um, uh, and, and big when you're sick so it's, it's the, they, their glands like lots of other glands in the body and their markers of you know when you're unwell they get big but they also help you get better um, the problem is with the um, tonsils is that the root cause of a tons tonsils getting big and people taking them out in my opinion anywhere from up what I, or everything that I've learned is that um, especially in kids is that if a child's mouth breathes a lot then all of the bacteria is not filtering through their nose. So anything that they're breathing in is not filtering through their nose first. It's, it's filtering through their throat first. And then the tonsils just get overloaded with bacteria or viruses that they then have to deal with. And that's why they get so large and it causes all those problems over and over again. So um, from what I read through Dr. Stephen Lin, uh, my local chiropractor as well, um, and other things I've read is that um, if you can address uh, mouth breathing and making sure that you can try and address a child uh, breathing through their nose first, even in adults too, then you can very much help those tonsils out by not taking on that load so much. Yeah, that, that's, um, that definitely makes sense. Now, you sent um, a documentary to me last night. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but um, <laughs> that's that, <all> right. <laughs> the, the gut movie. Yes. The gut movie. So yeah, that, sort of, that sort of ties into what you do with the testing. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I was really excited about the gut movie because they um, they use smart DNA in that documentary, which is who I practice with. And 
um, basically Cale Brock goes into a tribe in Africa and he lives with them for a week and eats like them and they take microbiome samples of those people in that tribe and his and he does a microbiome test before going to Africa and where they find that in his report findings he doesn't have very a very diverse gut uh, and he says it's because of just not being very healthy as a child and, and probably too much antibiotics and things like that. So his diversity is quite low at that point. But after spending a week with the African tribe, um, his diversity makes a huge, huge change. And it becomes much more diverse just in that week of being in that environment, being out in bush all the time, eating from the land, having zero processed foods. And then they compare some of the um, protective species of this African tribe to like Westerners in, in this bar chart. And they show just probably those African tribe have probably twice the amount of protective species in the gut than your average Westerner, purely based on just their diet alone, which I thought was really interesting. And um, yeah, so they explain how the microbiome report and testing works in that, um, in that documentary and they talk about the importance of the, of the microbiome there as well um, and what it does and, and just how beneficial, just how groundbreaking it is now and just how much we're finding out so much more and more all the time and, and how important it is to eat healthy and how that, that is your medicine first up and should always be your first point of call. Yeah, that's, yeah, I agree with that. It's, it, you will change, if you change what you eat, um, I, look, I think we all know that it's just a lack, a lack of determination and willingness to, to because it's so easy just to sit at home and i'm guilty of it i'd do it more than i'd like to admit sit there and do some hungry uber eats and get it delivered to the door it's so easy and convenient but really like it's just there has been time where i've um, a few years ago in fact i went on completely uh plant-based um and the changes that i felt in myself don't get me wrong i felt like shit for probably a good week week and a half um but then it sort of I read like it just like one morning I woke up and I was just a different person. Like I had more energy. I could do things I felt. And not only that, I actually felt a lot less um, stress and strain on my joints. That's one of the things I noticed. There was a big difference in, you know, things like jumping and, and even running. I, I didn't have the same amount of, maybe I had a bit of inflammation in my knees. And I noticed that when I went uh, plant-based that that sort of went away. I had less inflammation, um and i lost quite a bit of weight without even trying really like i didn't i didn't start working out extra hard i just followed the same uh exercise uh program that i was doing prior to going plant-based but the weight just fell off me i remember i cut out sugar as well which was again very hard um and i did that and just i felt so much better but unfortunately um i i gave in after a while and went back to eating meat but not as much as i was prior so now i try to have meat red meat maybe once a week um instead of sort of four or five i just have it four or five nights a week so yeah yeah uh, which isn't good and i i've struggled with high blood pressure since i was about 19 years old and i noticed when i cut the red meat out my blood pressure just dropped like i'm talking dropped yep. by about 40 points oh wow yeah. yeah 30 to 40 points like i went the what's the top number the systolic or a systolic number i went from about 145 to 100 to 110 mm, like it dropped wow. dramatically just by um, not eating as much red meat so definitely there's a lot of wisdom in that food is medicine 
and um, I've got a oh definitely definitely yeah, yeah. and I, I think it's just and it's a matter of being consistent with it I suppose and and the thing is we all know that like we all know that we should be doing that and that it is good for us but I think it's just because what's readily available in restaurants or cafes or or even Uber Eats if you're time poor is not the best options like I will sometimes go on Uber Eats and have a look and it takes me ages to find something that I'll happily eat because all the options just aren't really healthy so it's it's all around us I think to choose the processed fried foods and 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 sometimes it's just convenience and that's the biggest factor here it, it is work to eat healthier because it does can take more time you have to go and very specifically pick out the foods from the grocery store or a fruit shop you know all that kind of stuff it just takes time it does take time and I think it's you know with the, another issue is that when you're buying these things from the supermarket, you may think it's good. I'll oh, look at chicken and rice and, and beans in a pack. You know, the, you know, the frozen meals. Oh yeah, yeah. That shit is packed. Like, I mean, loaded with sugar. Like it's, it's oh, sorry, not sugar, salt, sodium, loaded with sodium. Um, and we all know it's, we shouldn't have too much salt in our diet, but they're packed with it. So these people that, think you know and intend to to make better choices and go out and try and get a healthier meal or whatever it may be as you said if people are time poor they may go out and just get a what they think is a healthy frozen meal from coles or woolies or wherever it may be not realizing the amount of shit that's in it sodium the preservatives and okay it's probably better than maccas and kfc but it's not ideal either yeah that's right yeah and i agree with you i think there's various levels of healthy right so there's the proper processed Macca's food, and then there's the quick, easy reheat meals, and then there's actually cooking a meal, right? So I think, uh, and that's and the thing is with the reheat meals is that they have to be preserved, right? And that's where all the salt comes from is because they have to still feel fresh when you reheat them. So yeah, I think that's, that's right. where, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it is, it's not easy, uh, you know, but it's, you can also, as I said, the information's out there. If, if people can spend a little bit of time doing their own research and look into things and anything that we've discussed, look into that a little bit more and then find out, you know, okay, you know, this is what, especially with when we're talking about the bacteria and the roles it plays in things like serotonin and melatonin. And, you know, if people have insomnia, for example, it could be due to a lack of melatonin, which I know a lot of people have, and they go out and just get melatonin supplements or pills from the doctor mm. when mm. they can be improved your melatonin levels can be increased and improved with diet. So, oh yeah, yeah. there's also yeah, exactly, exactly, and also sometimes um, sleep issues are to do with uh, people having too much coffee or too much energy, too many sort of energy drink type things, um, too much sugar, not exercising, um, uh, or stress. And there's so much you can do. Even just taking a simple magnesium supplement goes a long way to sleeping better and calming the nervous system before bed. There's all there's so much to do. There's so much you can do is when it comes to sleep hygiene, even even like um, uh, reducing screen time if you need to, um, making your your room darker if you need to, like all these different going to bed earlier so you can kind of give it yourself that time to unwind. All these things go a long way, I think, to sleeping better before just going for the easy fixes. And you have to be careful with certain certain things like melatonin because they're not really meant to be taken long term and also your body should naturally be controlling that on its own so it, it should you should get that balance naturally within your own body yeah and i think the reason why a lot of people suffer from from that in regard to melatonin is because of the blue light so we're, we're looking at watching tvs on the laptop on our phones like how many people lay in bed on their phones 
Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and then yeah. try and go to sleep yeah. and then wonder why they struggle to switch off. It's because the, the blue light from the phone sort of tricks your brain into thinking that it's not nighttime. So it, oh, yeah, and so, and, and, yeah, exactly, exactly. It does interfere. I mean, I, I spoke to that, um, to, to Margie Smith about that, the geneticist from Smart DNA. She said to me, um, it's the blue light is such a problem for people, especially kids. And so um, you can, you, you know, you can turn that uh, off. You can put a night mode on your on your phone or iPad if you need to. There's even blue light blocking glasses you can wear at night. There's all sorts of things you can do. Or, or you just kind of you're better off. You're actually better off watching TV, TV itself, than your phone or iPad. That's because it's different lights. You're better off just watching the TV and then turning it off and then going to bed if you really want to watch something. Definitely, I just got a pair not too long ago of um, Widoc blue light glasses. Um, so, thanks to Widoc. But um, yeah, look, I put them on. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I put a little sneaky plug. No, I um, I, I, I put yeah. them on. Um, I put them on sort of after dinner time, if I'm on the computer or whatever I may be doing or on my phone. Um, and it does make a huge difference. And not only in terms of, of sleep quality, but also strain. Like I noticed that my eyes aren't, sometimes, you know, if I'm on my phone or computer, I rub my eyes and they just feel like a bit of sand in my eyes. It's just uncomfortable. But when you have those uh, blue light uh, glasses that I have on, it seems to really alleviate a lot of those problems. Um, yep, yep. And another thing that I've recently discovered is I ended up getting this air purifier from mm -hmm. True Sense, I've got two in my house now. I've got this massive one that I have sort of in the living room, and then a little one I have in the bedroom. And when I first turned it on in the lounge room, now we're definitely not dirty people; we're clean. Um, but the air quality was so <laughs> yeah. poor. The air quality was so poor. I think it was like eighty-one. Out, look, eighty-one. I don't know if you're aware of the scale, but eighty-one. So is that was that to do with? Um, so what was it that was making it dirty? Was it fine particles was it was it vocs what was it because i've got two air purifiers at home actually i've got three actually and one two of mine are dyson air purifiers because they actually tell you what it is in the room that's that's making the room unhealthy uh you know it doesn't tell us what it is in the room but i do know that it's got uh, so it's got a uv light as well at the bottom of it uh which which kills bacteria and other certain things so it picks yep. up it picks up um, all sorts of all sorts of things. So, for example, if I was to the one I've got in the living room, if I open the front door to the house for about 10, 15 minutes, I live on a pretty busy road. So I, I can watch the level go from like where it sort of sits around eight, eight to 10, which yep. is good. Uh, that can go up to like 40 or 50. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, 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 it's the, it, so it's the car fumes. Yeah, yeah, it's for brilliant. sure. So it captures, uh, you know, things like um, allergens, uh, VOC gases, microscopic particles, Yep. Um, and to my understanding, the UV light kills germs and bacteria uh, that's trapped in the filter that goes into the bottom of the machine. And you know what? Um, when you walk into a room that has one of those on and running compared to another room where it's not on, you can notice the difference. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can't sleep without my air purifier now at night. So during the day, I have all windows and and, and fans going and stuff so I don't I don't run it during the day but we're not in like a busy road so it's fine but at night um for the kids and for me um I I run it all night um and because it's cold one of my Dyson ones has a it's a hot and cold air purifier so it, it does heat the room and purifies at the same time and I swear that's gone a long way to keeping the kids healthy and not catching stuff overnight because you can I mean viruses and stuff float around everywhere right and if you're specifically my son who I'm correcting mouth breathing right now, if he's got his mouth open all night breathing and there's viruses and bacteria in the air, he'll, he'll catch it. 
and then you, you find that in the morning your throat feels yucky and you feel sick. Yeah, well, we all feel it. Some mornings we wake up and just feel a bit clogged up. But since I've had these going, I don't wake up. I wake up feeling good, fresh, no problem. But yeah, prior to that, yep, I'd wake yep. up blocked nose. Do you know you sleep in front of a fan, for example, in summer and you wake up just mm. feeling all clogged up? Mm. Uh, that's how I was feeling yep. some nights. Um, and now that's just gone away with this um, air purifier. So it's probably one of the better things I've, I've bought in the last few years. But- yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I hear you. I've done the same thing in the last few years and I can 100% say oh, it's been the same for me. Um, one of my air purifiers is probably the best one in the market. It's called, um, it's called Innova Air. And that one will purify everything. So the bacteria, um, mold, spores, all sorts of things. And I, I, I ran that overnight once when I was sleeping um, in my room and I just felt so good all night. Like I literally felt amazing all night. Like you could just feel that, you know, you feel good, you know? Yeah, you do. And the air's fresher. Like when you walk, I said, when you walk into a room where it's been running, it just feels like crisp. It's almost like if you can imagine what like crisp, like mountain air is. Like yeah, fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort of, <laughs> that, that's, that's sort of what it was like. Um, unfortunately i was living um in the mountains i moved back down to sydney unfortunately i'm an idiot i know but i moved back down beginning of the year and the difference in the air quality here compared to where i was before uh it's unbelievable like sydney's sydney's air quality is it's shit it'd have to be probably one of the worst in the country i dare say it's just even i I don't live in sydney sydney i live sort of out of southwest sydney but um it's so busy there's so much going on there's so much traffic and it's not good. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I, look, I think they're a must. For me, when it comes to health strategies, I think air purifiers are a really good idea. I, I have three of them and I use all of them all the time. Um, uh, filtered water. I think filtered water is really important. Um, I'm not sure what it is like in Sydney, but Brisbane doesn't have good town water and I don't drink water from the tap ever. I haven't drunk tap water in years. So I always have, I have a whole house filtration system for my house and then I have a reverse osmosis with remineralizer underneath the sink and that's what i drink yeah i was looking into that not too long ago because i don't drink tap water at all Um, but unfortunately i just drink bottled water Um, i need to probably get a filtration system at home as well but um, i can't you know what i can't go back to it like if you drink bottled water for a period of time like spring water and then you go to drinking tap water oh it's like almost drinking like pool water like you can taste it tastes just like full of chemicals Definitely. It's very high in chlorine. Like I, I felt that when, um, cause before we moved to um, the suburb we're in now, so we're, we're about eight K's from the CBD at the moment. So I really love where we live now, but before that we lived in on acreage and we, we were with, um, we had uh, concrete underground tanks for our water and we had a really good filtration system. We had a UV filter that um, filtered the water as well as um, granular activated carbon filters and then we also had a reverse osmosis with remineralizer so we had amazing water and it tasted amazing and the moment I, we moved here and turned the tap on to give the kids a bath I just went oh my god that water stinks like that's so like it stinks of chlorine I just, it really hit me because I hadn't sort of been exposed to it for, for some years yeah. and it hit me really hard just how much chlorine there is in town water and that, the, and that the kids were bathing in it and that's what made me get a whole house filtration system yeah, and you don't realise it. Like, if you drink tap water all the time, it, people who are going to be listening to this who drink tap water every day are probably thinking, oh, there's nothing wrong with it, it's normal. But if, if, if they stop drinking, <laughs> if you stop, listen, if you stop drinking it, for just give it a week. Just drink bottled water for a week and then go back after a week and have a glass of tap water. It's, it's, yep. it's a huge difference in the quality of the water. Yes, huge difference. And it makes a huge difference to your gut health as well because of all the things that have to be filtered and 
uh, uh, process through um, because of all the things that are in town water that your gut bugs and your body just has to deal with and your kidneys have to deal with, you know. So when you look at the filters, um, like the granule activated carbon filters, when they get changed and you see how black and dirty they are, when they get changed once a year, you think, wow, I could have been drinking all that. So either your body filters it out or the, or the filters filter them out outside, which I prefer, right? Then my yeah. own body filtering it out. No, of course. The, the water I drink, I drink um, Alcapella, the Alkalon water. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, so, and I've heard a lot of good things about that. Um, and again, it sort of helps reduce the, the um, acidity, level, uh, acidity levels uh, in your body. Um, so I, I, that's what I drink, but um, it's, um, yeah, I think once you, once you start drinking that, you don't go back to tap water. No, you don't. No, you happen. can't. No, you can't. Yeah, no, you can't. You just can't. Um, it's not the same. And you can taste the difference and you can feel the difference too. And, and if you want to really optimize your health, I, I, I think you definitely would go filtered water any day of the week. And, and the alkaline water is really interesting too, because of, you know, there's a, it's funny because I went, I feel like I've gone a bit sort of full circle with the alkaline water where I was really into all that for a while. And then I kind of went, oh, uh, and then so now, now I'm sort of like, yeah, if you want to do that, you can. I mean, my my, my uh, uh, under sink water system does alkalize it as well. So that's what we drink. So I, I, and I like the taste and I feel good on that. So, but I think if you're having like a, you know, a diet that's got all the, all those, you know, sort of vegetables that are, that are alkalizing, then you'd probably be okay anyway. Yeah, well, definitely. All right. Now, before we go, so you, uh, your business nutrition is medicine. Yep. So you can find me on at nutrition.is.medicine on Instagram. I'm really, really um, active on there. That's where I live more so than my Facebook. I don't really do much on my Facebook these days. Um, I feel like it's a platform that's going a bit quiet in that space. So I, I, I've gone and my Instagram has really taken off. So I, I do a lot of stories. I do a lot of um, reels and, and, and videos there to explain um, the microbiome and gut health um, and, and posts in there. So check that out. And also my website, nutritionismedicine.com.au has lots of information and where to order and pricing and all that sort of thing as well. So they can order these, which listen, I'll be doing that uh, over the next few days. You'll, I'll order one of those test kits from you because I'm very interested in seeing what's going on inside my gut. But um, so that can be ordered directly through your Instagram and your website. Yep. 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 That's right. You can order Beautiful. directly through my, um, my, my website link is in my Instagram. So you find that there. And um, so the, the, it's really easy way to do it because the kit gets sent to you. So I, when you order it, I, I send that kit to you from smart DNA. You do your sample at home, you fill out the form and you, and you mail it straight back to smart DNA and they, and they sequence, um, they sequence the sample in their lab. Um, the microbiome test takes about six weeks though, to come back. It does take a little while. Um, but it's a 43-page report that goes through absolutely everything and really explains it all. And um, you can really see where you're low or high, where you have um, good bacteria or missing bacteria. And then, and then there's action steps. So there's action steps as far as what prebiotic-rich foods you should be eating, maybe what probiotics you should have um, or, or what else you could do. Um, and that way you can really start to tailor your diet and even your supplementation to suit what you need to focus on. Listen, everyone go and check it out. I'll uh, say it's been a pleasure talking to you. You're welcome back anytime. We'll definitely do it again. No worries. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you.